Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Ephesians chapter number one, as you are turning there, the first two Wednesdays of this month, my wife will be speaking on grief and loss on those Wednesdays, um, and that will be that will be very well. This is a time of year in which people uh, contend with grief or uh, contend still yet with losses because of the holiday season and such, empty places in their family, and so she will be able, I think, be able to help some people uh, in those in those things. And even even children on how to help children with those types of aspects as well. That's the fifth and the twelfth of this month, and so do not miss do not miss that. We'll be having our candlelight service later in this month on the nineteenth. You don't want to miss that. Anything that we like extra that we do around here will not happen in the month of December because I know there's all kinds of extra going on in your jobs and your homes and families, and so uh, our power hour this month we're just going to bump that forward for January when we have a whole week of it anyway all right and so and any game night will not happen and any Simeons and Annas will not happen uh, whenever I look at my calendar there's enough stuff going on there's enough stuff going on in my own life uh, that I think we can we could spare a few of those things for this month and so just be mindful of that be praying for sister McGee and I we will be in prison next weekend in Missouri and so uh, be praying for that. This is the prison that we kind of just tucked in uh, because they have been having so many suicides take place within the walls there. And so ask the Lord to help us, amen, to have the words that this, the anointing of the Lord can not just break some bondages, but destroy. That's what the Bible says it does. It destroys yokes of bondage. And so we're going to pray to that end that God would do that. I did. Can you play? I'm sorry. You can be seated today. I have a video to introduce this series this morning. Amen. If you can play that this morning, Zach, that'd be helpful. Thank you. You know, when you jump into the middle of a story or you pull book number three off the shelf and it's really a series of six books, you begin reading you're probably going to find yourself confused and lacking the complete understanding of what's really going on. What's the plot, the storyline? How is it? How's all this kind of come to this point? See, stories are meant to understand from beginning to end. There's, there's a reason the author wrote the way the author did. Sometimes I think we treat scripture that way. We jump into the middle of the narrative, the middle of the story, and don't quite understand how it all fits together. If we're really to understand God's plan and purpose for our lives, and really the redemptive process of what we're experiencing, we need to know the big story of Scripture. This next series in the Discipleship Project is going to look at just that. How did this story of redemption and salvation unfold from Genesis through Revelation? We're going to watch and see how these things all work together, and it's important so that we can know our purpose and plan that God has for our lives. So join us in this next series of the Discipleship Project as we look at the big story of Scripture. Now you can stand with me and turn to Ephesians 1. Our concentration for the next four weeks will be just that, the big story. 
the big story of the Bible, the big story of Scripture. But this morning, we're going to intentionally look at God's divine plan. Ephesians 1, I want to start with verse number uh, 3 today, and we'll read through verse number 10 this morning. And uh, Brother Zach, I'm just going to lean on you to help me today, all right? It says this, starting with verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And please note, when it talks about he hath chosen us in him, he's talking about the church. He has chosen the church. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So the Apostle Paul just takes a little bit of time and really explains the big story of Scripture just in a nutshell. That he had something, a plan in mind in Genesis that he would take generations and times to, to unfold and reveal. And that ultimately was the redemption of mankind by virtue of his church. And so we're going to look at that here this month. Let's ask God to help us. Father, I come to you this morning. I need you, Lord Jesus, today. God, let your will and your purpose be done. God, in the teaching, Lord Jesus, of your word here today. God, we don't want to miss, Lord Jesus, what you may be conveying. We don't want to miss, oh Lord, what you may be saying. God, to us as a people, I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord, and strengthen us today, God, by the word of the Lord. And we will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplished, Lord, in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated today. Also, since the end of a year is coming up, we're close upon it. It'll be here before we know. I challenge you, if you make any plans for the new year, uh, I challenge you to find you, a, find you some type of Bible program that will help you read through your Bible in the coming year. There is so many different types or find just some type of Bible reading program out there that will help you get in the Scripture each day. There's so many different types out there, and there is, uh, that, that, that you'll be able to find to benefit your life so that you're just not, you know, kind of like a buffet going through and picking here, picking there, that you get the whole meal, all right, that you get the whole meal. And so I, I challenge you to do that uh, for this coming year. When we look at the Scripture, the Word of the Lord, we go all the way back to Genesis, of course, and the story of Genesis starts uh, somewhat dismal in reality. If you were to look at it, the Bible talks how it was without form and void, that there was darkness, Scripture says, upon the face of the deep. That is what was known at that time in the beginning, just darkness, void. There was nothingness all around except for one additional thing, and that is, as Scripture unfolds, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. 
So interesting that in the creative chapter, God never takes time to explain himself or his existence. It's that he was in the beginning God. And it's that additional thing to the darkness and to the voids that changes the whole dynamics then of the darkness and the void itself. It's simply that God existed in the beginning. Quite frankly, he existed before the beginning. Uh, he always was and he always will be. And everything else that we see today is an extension of God. It's an extension of God. It's whenever the creator began to speak that light came and that the waters were gathered together to different places. All types of fantastic things happened at the spoken word of God. Fish became teeming in the water and the fowls of the air filled uh, the atmosphere and the Bible says even creeping things and beasts of the field found their place in each of the different days of creation and God would step back and consider the things that he had done good. Bible says he would consider them good. You know, the evening and the morning was the second day and the evening and morning was the third day and God would step back and see that the things that he had done, that behold, they were good. Amen. At some places even spoke of them being very good. And so we have everything and we're, we're, we are uh, overwhelmed by the world. If you travel anywhere, even outside of Illinois and go to different places, the oceans that we have, the mountains, that the deserts, all even just within North America, it is quite awe-inspiring to think about we can have all these different type of climates and air masses right here in North America, and that is all just the fingerprint of God. And then if you even go beyond this continent to other continents, they're just the majesty of the landscape itself is overwhelming. And I've seen a lot of our America, and, and I am overwhelmed every time my eyes just, just land on things that isn't man-made, but it's God-made just God made this this past year whenever we traveled out to do Nebraska and went a little further to South uh, South Dakota and went out there and among the badlands all of that and that that wasn't the hand of man but that's the hand of God and it's just a marvel that God could and would do such things and the sun and the moon and the stars people today are still studying generations have to try to figure out how all of this came together how all of this was designed and there has to be a, a great architect there has to be a designer but they're trying to figure out what God did in a moment thousands of years have been invested in studying it but what God has done in a moment they've taken all this time to do it yet when we get to day number six it is the crescendo if you will of his creation it is the crescendo of everything that he had done in the previous five days leading up to this moment in time. In this act, the Bible says that he created man in his image and after his likeness. Uh, man would be the crowning glory of creation. Uh, he didn't do him first, but he did him last. And I guess our little idea today of you saved the best for last, God did that whenever it came to creation. He allowed mankind to be the crowning glory of everything that he had done. But the thing is, that's just the beginning of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. We got to understand and ask ourselves, why did God even create man? He's self-sufficient. Why did he create man? Why did he put man on the scene? It's not as though God needed anything per se from man or that man was there to complete God because God is complete in himself. And we know without doubt that we, though, can't be complete without God. The New Testament writer said that we are complete in him. But whenever you consider the big story, 
If you've ever went to see a play or some type of theatrical, all of those things are divided in acts. They have act one and act two and act three and then subdivided acts. They're like scene one, act one, scene one, act one, scene two, and you have scenes that are in there. And there's a typical fashion in which those things are laid out. Usually the way that a story goes is like this. Number one, you're set up. You're given a lot of background, all the characters you're set up with everything that's going on and taking place. Then act number two comes and there's some type of grand confrontation. There's a problem. And then act three is used for the purpose of bringing the resolution to the problem. God really has done no different in telling his story. His story that is being told. In Genesis, he's setting up all the players. He's setting up humanity. He's setting up all of creation. He's setting up all the players. And he is so quick that even in the first, the first few chapters of Genesis, he gives us the confrontation. The confrontation of Genesis 3 of sin entering the picture and transgression entering the picture of man and that causing a separation between man and God, this harmony that he wanted with mankind. And in reality, throughout the rest of the scriptures from that point forward, God is still yet showing us some of the confrontation but at the same time give us glimpses of his resolution to the confrontation. His resolution to the problem. He set it all up in Genesis. Here's the setting. Here's the problem. And he even gives us a little eyewitness, if you will, a little glimmer, if you will, of how he's going to resolve all this in Genesis 3 and verse number 15. He speaks about the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel he's speaking of something he's already given the resolution before it's played out that there was going to be a seed born of a woman someday that was going to bruise the head of the serpent and the serpent was going to bruise then his heel he's speaking all the way down through history to Calvary he's talking about a babe that would be born of the woman Mary that would ultimately go to a tree and by virtue of that his heel being nailed to a tree but by virtue of Calvary the head of the serpent the head of our adversary being crushed he did it all right there in Gen that's the big story of the word of God and there's something you must do when you read the word of God when you study the word of God and that is always consider how those individual stories fit into the big story because every story in scripture somewhere along the way has to be pointing to and helping out getting to that place of redemption. Getting to that place of redemption. Whenever you read through the judges that every man did that which was right in his own eye, that's helping with the confrontation. That's helping with the problem. Man, when he does what he wants to do is go and get man in deep trouble. You read through, you read through judges and you're scratching your head. How in the world can some of this stuff be happening? Can, how can a guy cut up his wife in 12 pieces and send it all out? I'll tell you how. Because he's doing everything that's right in his own eyes. How can all of this woe and all these problems be in judges? Because that's the problem. That's the confrontation. Doing what you want to do. Hallelujah. So that's helping us to a place of redemption. Because as long as we do it our way, we get ourselves in trouble. But what we need is a redeemer. What we need, yes. That's setting us up. Our problem sets us up for redemption. Our sin sets us up for redemption. Ultimately, that's what we need. We need a redeemer and so we got to look at the big story 
the Bible even tells us in Scripture, our own personal lives, Psalms 90 and verse number 9 tells us we spend our years as a tale that is told. Consider your life. All kinds of experiences. You have an individual story. You're born. You mature. You grow. You die. You have different relationships. But in all, even your story is a part of a bigger story. A larger story. Amen. That there's been players in the past, people that went before you, and there's still going to be probably people, unless the Lord comes, that come after you. But we're all a part of the story. That's the reason why the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12, he starts out that chapter that there is around about you a great cloud of witnesses and that we must run this race then with patience. So there is a great cloud of witnesses. What the writer is referring to is just the last chapter that was just written, Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, how Abraham prepared an ark to the saving of his family, and Isaac did this, and Jacob did this, and Rachel and Rebecca and Sarah did this, and Moses did this. All the great stories of the patriarchs of faith that by faith knew that there was a promise that was better than what they had, looking for cities whose builder and maker was God. He says, you have a great cloud of witnesses. What he's saying? There are those that have went before you that ran the same race you are running right now. And they are looking at now your run, a race that they've already finished. And you know what they are doing? Though you may not be able to hear their voices, they're cheering you on because they want you to finish the line as they finish the line. They want redemption story to be written in your life. So that's the reason he speaks these ways. And the Bible is clear, and we see this even in our, our lesson here today. And this is perhaps a first point. God has always had a plan for a relationship with his people. That was the plan in Genesis with Adam and Eve, a relationship. What happened in the cool of the day, the Bible says, if you've read it, God came down in the cool of the day. And he would talk to Adam and Eve. He didn't do that for his purpose as much as he did that for their purpose. So from creation, a central part of his plan, it's not just the trees and the fish and that, what that the central part of his plan was to have a relationship with mankind. A relationship with mankind. And so whenever we look at this, I want you to consider this then. Another sub-point, our infinite God, because God is infinite, he's eternal. He came down and constrained himself to time when he came down in the flesh as Jesus Christ, but he's infinite. Our infinite God exists beyond the expanse of time and has always been at work in our small, finite, limited minds, sometimes cannot even comprehend the ways of God. One writer said that his ways are past finding out. Because he works on a level beyond us. He works on a eternal level. That's how Moses and, and David and the Psalms can say that he is from everlasting to everlasting. That is how I believe it was in Timothy. Paul said, speaking of God, that he is the king eternal and immortal. He is a timeless, everlasting God. One way to see that, the eternality, if you will, of God and how sometimes he steps into time, that's how whenever they were talking, the Jews were talking to Jesus in John 8 and they were discussing with him, here is God manifested in the flesh, eternity wrapped up in time. Yeah. 
if I could say it like that. Here is eternity wrapped up in time in Jesus Christ. And they look at him. And he, he's talking about uh, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they say, well, you're not even yet 50 years old. How in the world could Abraham rejoice to see your day? Because eternity at that moment was wrapped in time. And from the side of eternity of being God in Christ, God said, well, before Abraham was, I am. What a, that's the eternality of God. Amen. But he stepped in time through Jesus. Jesus for what purpose? Redemption. See? For redemption. That's how even Jesus in John 17, he's, it's the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. He's praying, Lord, you know, I've kept those that you have given to me. And, and he's saying all these words. But there's something there in John 17 he said. He's crying out. The flesh, the flesh is crying out to the spirit. The flesh is praying to the spirit. And the flesh says... But it taps into the eternal side of God. I have finished the work you've gave me to do. But how is this possible? Calvary's not taking place yet. Jesus is not strung on the cross and have said those words. It is finished yet. How in the world can that be spoken there in the garden? I have finished the work that you have gave me to do. I'll tell you how. Because he tapped into the eternality of God that was in that flesh. Because God in that flesh is saying this, I've already got Calvary accomplished. I'm just allowing time to reveal. I had this all the way back in Genesis. I said there's gonna be one born of a woman that's gonna bruise. I already had this plan. This, was, this has been in process ever since the beginning of the world. Can I tell you this morning, you need to take some good, good, good thought here today. The salvation of the church, this winning of the church, the redemption of the church. God has a plan for humanity his plan and you have a choice is to be a part of the church and if you get a part of his church you'll be redeemed you'll be saved you'll be kept from hellfire God says I got a boat that I just want people to get on I won't force them on the boat I won't push them on the boat but I will make it available I will give them opportunity after opportunity but they can rest well if they get on the boat they're going to make it to their destination if they get on it's the big story. The divine story. God is not something that is far away. Sometimes our perception of God, well, he's up there in heaven. No, God is, feels all things, all times, all space. He's omnipresent. God is near. That's why Paul told those on Mars Hill, said, feel after him if happily you might find him for he's not far from every one of you. And that has not changed still yet today. He is not far from every one of us. Look at Ephesians 1.4 again. This is in the New Living Translation. Even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ. Again, that us in Christ is the church. He chose us in the church. That's his desire for us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but he will not force the will of man. He didn't do it in the garden and he will not do it. He will not do it. So it's not his will that any should perish. 
but he will not force the will of man. The thing is, we have a choice. Man has a choice. Man has been every man. I think we need to underscore that fact. Every man's been given the opportunity. God is not giving opportunity to some and not opportunity to others. It's given everyone, regardless of who we are, opportunity. It's all about whether or not we seize that opportunity or we reject that opportunity. But I guarantee you this, if you seize it, his will is that you wouldn't perish. He's going to help you along the journey, along the way. And so when we go back to Genesis, the crowning act of Genesis is that he made us with a free will. He made us with a choice to love him or to reject him. Amen. He already had the angels. All right. Angels already in existence at this moment prior to the creation of man. He already has everything he's created up to this moment. But he created humanity with a free will. Everything else to a great degree is at the dictation of God. The rains come, the winds blow. Everything happens ultimately by the dictation of God. But whenever it comes to man, man set aside from the rest of creation has a choice in the matter. A choice in the matter that is very, very important. This, this kind of baffled me, but I guess this is just a little bit of the familiarity that we have. In 2005, there was a zoo in London. They put on a new exhibit. They put up a sign, and it said, warning, humans in their natural environment. And they had eight men and women chosen from an online contest that were caged in a cage next to the ape habitat. And as they were in there, these humans were just entertaining themselves, doing whatever they could do, but they were in bars just like any other animal. And as, as people would come and visit, according to the Associated Press, one of the participants that went by and seen this said, well, when they see humans as animals here, he said, it, it kind of reminds us that we're not that special after all. Now, I can't take offense to that. <laughs> you know, you people go by apes, or they go by snakes like, ooh, ah. I think maybe the reason why a participant said that is because we're so familiar with ourselves. But whenever I read Scripture, Scripture disagrees with that. The Bible says in Psalms 139 and verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. God does all things well. <laughs> Everything again that he was seen, he created in scripture. Good, good. And then he's seen man and everything that had been done there. And this is very good. God's not lacking. God is not needy. But because of his great love, again, he chose a relationship with us. He chose communion with us. And here's the important thing. He chose a relationship with an entity, with humanity. Someone that could choose not to be in relationship with him. See, that superseded all the other relationships that he had upon the earth. 
because the wolves and the whales, they're in relationship because they have no other option. They must be in relationship with their creator. But whenever it came from mankind that he gave them the free will, he says, I choose a relationship because I want something to be in relationship with me because they want to be in relationship. And so that set it apart from everything else. That's the power of choice, if you will. And you know how choices are. Man, as kids, you know, they always had the uh, gym class and they're picking teams. Yeah. There's that one that's picked last. God help him. It is horrible to be picked last. You know, they've done went through 20 people and you're the last one standing there. And so then they start, you know, trying to be ultra sensitive to people's feelings and stuff today. You know, now they count off one, two, three, four, whatever to pick teams. And now these little snots, you know, they even got that figured out where to stand in order for all the twos to be on my team and all the threes on. So and so, so they got to constantly change stuff up, you know, because there's something about just choice being chose last. But again, that wasn't God's way of mind. He says, I'm going to make, create, I'm going to make mankind last because I'm, they, they are the best. And I'm going to choose them, be in relationship with me. And if they'll accept that, if they'll accept that, then that's going to be something great and wonderful. I'm giving them the free will. That's the reason why Joshua, before they ever entered over into the promised land, remember Moses brought them to that river and they had to go back because there was too many that was afraid and thought they couldn't do what God said they could do. But whenever Joshua gets to that place again, he begins to talk to Israel he's like and he tells he basically tells the story God's brought you through the wilderness and he's given you water from a rock and he's glad manna to fall from heaven he's man going through all this stuff and he says now we are at a choosing today essentially he says you got to decide if you're going to choose the gods of your fathers amen the gods of your fathers or if you're going to choose the God that got you through the wilderness got you food on your table got you water to drink you're going to and Joshua then made that proclamation that many of us are familiar with he said as for me and my house I we are going to serve the Lord what was that that was a choice but he presented the, the, the choice if you will to everybody that was standing there that day that you need to make a choice what you're going to do and the Bible says they hollered out we will serve the Lord we're, we're not going to serve the gods of our fathers we are going to serve the Lord and Joshua said well let's make a memorial here today let's make a memorial right here that this day these people said that they chose to serve the Lord why did Joshua do that? Because he knew once they crossed over into the land of promise, they were going to have self-doubt. When they crossed over into the land of promise, there are going to be times they were going to try to go astray or go the other direction. He says, let's set up a memorial so that when they cast their eyes back, they see when they made a choice that I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. When, folks, you need a memorial somewhere in your past that denotes the day and the hour that you said, you know what? I'm going to serve him. I I choose to serve him. I'm going to live my life for him. I, we need something as a reminder that says this is the day that I made my choice. Sometimes we get off the path because we never make memorials. That reminds us of what we said, what we vowed, what we put out there unto the Lord. And so he says, as for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. So he starts his dramatic story, the players of humanity and himself, designed to be in relationship with him, with a purpose in view that there's going to be a problem, but I have a resolution already that I'm working out. And here's the thing. You may not really realize, but God loves and delights 
to be in communion with you. God loves to be in communion with you. His coming down daily to walk with him in the garden of the beginning underscored the fact that he liked to be in communion with his people. He spoke a word for the light, spoke a word for the beast of the field, spoke a word for the fowl, spoke a word for the fish of the sea. But he so much liked being with man that he says, I'm not going to speak a word to create them. I'm going to get intimate and I'm going to work with my hands. So I'm going to create something because they're, they're going to be different from anybody else. I'm going to create them with my own hands. And the Bible says in Genesis 2 and 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. <laughs> Flowers here, grass there, mountains towering up over here, all by the word of God. God says, let me get down here and get my hands in the dirt. I got something I want to sculpt here. It's just mere dust, but I'm going to sculpt something and put my life in it. Because I want to have communion. I want them to have the power of choice to reciprocate that communion. And their first choice really was to be with the Lord. It was to be with the Lord in that cool of the day, to have conversation with God. They were contented with that, though, it seems. They were contented with that, though, it seems. Until sin entered the picture. They were content with conversation and communion with God on a daily basis until sin and transgression entered the picture. And then when sin and transgression enters the picture, the thing that they were contented with before, they're not contented with now. Someone say amen. God spent time with them each day. And I want you to consider this. Among some of the first things, among some of the first things that gave indication that there was something wrong in the garden. Among the first things, there were a few items, but this is one among them. Among the first things is when the Bible says after their transgression, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. And the Bible says, and they hid themselves from the presence of God. The very thing that they used to relish, enjoy, and be contented with. Now they are hiding themselves from the presence of God. Good indication that there was something wrong in the garden. With the thing that you, if I can just play it up this morning, the thing that they used to wait on each day. Now when it arrives, they're fleeing away from. Let me tell you. You, you want to put a little pin mark of indication whenever you're starting to get code on God when the things that used to attract you in the church and about the church now repulse you. They now repulse you. You, you, you better put up, you better put up the, the, the warning and wave the red flag. Something's going on. That, that, that should not be going on. Going on here today. As a part of God's plan, God in the beginning gave his people dominion. That's what the scripture says. Told them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, multiply, and gave them dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every creeping thing, the beast of the field. He gave them dominion and he gave them purpose. He put Adam in the garden. He said, dress and keep the garden. 
He's given them purpose. He's given them dominion, right? Of all these things that he has created, he has put them over it. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God began the story with purpose. God began the story with work in creation, with authority, with dominion. But due to sin and transgression, there was a loss, if you will, to a certain degree of that dominion and the authority. If you think in the beginning that prior to that, that God, that God gave Adam the responsibility for the animals to pry, parade before him, and Adam is responsible for naming the animals, right? He's naming them as they're parading before him. So we have lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But they're coming before him. Adam doesn't lose an arm or a leg. He doesn't become their lunch. He's parading before them. He's naming them. How in the world for? Because the king of the jungle before the lion ever came into being was man given with dominion and purpose they could come he could name but after transgression now we see through scripture people being ate by lions why there's something lost when you sin not just in the natural world let's flip to the spiritual in the spiritual world there is a dominion and authority that gets lost when you sin amen and so, and not only that, it tries, if you will, to deter the purpose if we have the free will of choice. Our free will of choice can deter the purpose that God originally had. Amen. For us. So when we look at this and we consider this idea of submission, being submitted to God's master plan, here's one thing we must look at. Whenever we are submitted to God's master plan, Submission to his plan brings blessing into your life. Submission to his plan brings blessing into your life. Case in point, all the way in the beginning, and this replays itself throughout Scripture. In the beginning of every tree that's in the garden, Adam, you can eat of. Only abstain from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Every tree in the garden. There was a tree in the midst of the garden called the tree of life. Every tree in the garden. You've been given dominion. You've given power. You can eat of. Just abstain from the one. But the, all the rest is yours. After the transgression, Adam and Eve are taken outside of the garden. It's guarded by an angel with a flaming sword. And you know what that means? Now they don't have access even to the tree of life. Huh? So where they were in submission, they had blessing. They had access to the tree of life. After though their sin... No longer being submitted, boom, remove some of the blessing. They now don't have access. So if we stay submitted to his plan, God will bless his plan. God will bless his plan. But it's about being in a position of submission where you're still a part of his plan. God's not obligated to bless any one individually. Unless they become a part of us in Christ, the church. And God will have a blessing upon his church. He has spoken it from the beginning. 
And you say, well, I'm just not being blessed like God or this is not happening. I know we have our struggles and woes too in the church. But what I'm saying is this, God blesses his plan. His plan is the church, that it would be wholly set apart and distinct from all others, that it would be a nation almost as Israel was that's accounted unto God. Amen. If you will be in the image and the reflection of who he is, he has a plan for it. And as long as you make yourself submitted to that plan and as a part of that plan, God's going to bless his plan. Someone say amen. And the big story of it that even the writer of Ephesians wrote is that as being the children of God, then we are inheritors of our Father. We are heirs with Christ, being the children of God. Adam and Eve had their perks and privileges as being the natural real if you will children of God as he took them from the soil or Eve rather than at from Adam's side but as the children of God in a spiritual sense amen when we've been redeemed by his blood and we bear his name in baptism we're heirs with privileges huh he said I'm no longer going to call you a servant I'm going to call you a son and if a son then an heir Huh? An heir. What's that mean? That means it's quite simple. The way that the wheel is set up, <laughs> the way that the wheel is set up, that means everything that your daddy owns, you own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me tell it like this. You own it upon the moment of his death. Because <laughs> the wheel is of no strength or no purpose until the one about whom the wheel is about dies. Right? No, it's of no purpose. If, if, he, if he says, I'm, I will my couch to Fred upon my death, but he already gave away his couch before death came. Sorry, Fred, you're not getting the couch. You understand? But upon his death, everything that the wheel has in it that's been empowered, as long as the date is there, there's no newer wheel that's in place, everything's going to take effect. I'm here to tell you, Christ already went to a cross and died. And so everything that he already had in his wheel... Hmm. Amen. Is enacted. You are an inheritor. Amen. Everything that he owns is yours. If you stay a part of his plan. Huh? <laughs> Sometimes wheels can be really peculiar. Dealt with a lot of stuff this past year. Sometimes wheels can be very peculiar. That only certain things are played out for your benefit if you stay according to the guidelines of what they want. And what I'm saying is this. Some people might only allow, uh, you know, people to have all the items in the home if they make that home their residence. There can be conditional clauses and such in there. So you, you can say everything's yours, but you, everything's not yours unless you follow the plan that the one who made the will Somebody hear me right now? Unless you follow the plan by the one who made the will. And so his plan, he says, you, you got to be redeemed by my blood. You got to be in the church. And then when you're a part of the church, there's X, Y, Z, D, A, B. That all comes with that. But if you're not part of the church, forget X, Y, Z, A, B. Amen. And I'm not talking about just a church, a body. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about fabric and sheetrock and things of that nature. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 7, Wherefore thou art no more servant but a son. I already quoted that. If a son, then an heir of God through Christ. 
What that means is as children of God, we have unfettered access to God. We have unfettered access to him and his resources. Unfathomable riches the New Testament speaks of. Hmm? Right? Dad loves the scripture. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You've heard him say it a thousand times. He'll supply them all according to his riches and glory. That meaning, you've heard him say this, that he'll quit meeting your needs when his riches run out. And when will that happen? Never. (laughs) Never. Never. So he responds to our prayers, God does. That's a perk of being his heir. We talked about that this past. That's a perk of being relationship. We talked about that this past Wednesday. But an ultimate prayer that God will listen to if our heart's in the right place and we are detesting the sin that's in our life is our prayer for salvation. The Bible says Ephesians 1 verses 5 through 7, and I'm reading this in the New Living Translation. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That was his plan. This is the... This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who being, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. God has power, but God has a tremendous amount of grace. And he delights, if we could say it like that, he delights in forgiving our sins. He delights in making us his children. And we've been given, again, an opportunity, everybody. When he wrote out his invitations, he said, well, let's forget so-and-so. No. He sent an invitation to all humanity. Now, here's the thing. In addition to the blessings we have as God's children, God longs to include us in the big story of Scripture with an active purpose. He doesn't want you just to be a part of the plan and not active in the plan. Does that make sense? In other words, he's not just asking us to be his children and no other strings attached. Huh? Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship, which this should make you feel pretty good. In the literal Greek, that really means this. You're his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus. But here's the dinger. Unto good works. Huh? You didn't become a part of the plan to be a slouch. No. He has a job for you to do. Yeah, he has unto good works which God hath before. See, that was a part of his plan too. To have you a job description. (laughs) To have you doing something. Ordained that we, God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So God, and we've looked at this several times in this church, God places in the body of Christ to carry out a function within the body. We read that in in 1 Corinthians, you know, 12, and we read how we have been put in the body. Many, many members, but one body. But all these members, we are adding to and helping and functioning with one another. There is not a member of the body that functions independently of the body. So I guess our song is true. 
that I looked all over and tried to find somebody, nobody greater, nobody greater than God. And then we have these other songs that say, I need you, you need me, we're all a part of God's family. It is important, it is his will that every need should be supplied. Why is it talking about that? Because the needs are supplied by the members that are in the body. Amen. And so as we do our work and we do our function, then we help one another. And we're able to function with one another. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'll close with this. Nick Vujicek, many of you have heard of him, seen him, even heard him testify. But whenever his entrance into life came, he was in a delivery room, of course, as the rest of us. Unusual sights. There was a medical team that was there. There was surgical instruments that were there. There were two nervous parents, of course, that was there. Boris, this man's and Nick's father, stood by his wife, trying to encourage her. Um, she had expressed some, some things about her pregnancy that was somewhat negative, but he went on and told her, it'll be fine. He had no doubt. He coached her numerous times that everything would be okay. But in the moment of truth, whenever Boris's faith failed him, there was the first glimpse of that infant that came from his wife, that newborn baby, that was absence of arms and then also absence of legs. Child born did not have any arms or didn't have any legs. Medical experts were there. They were trying to understand what the baby's condition was. They knew that it wasn't genetic. It didn't fit any particular type of syndrome. But nevertheless, he had no limbs, no arms, and no legs. And so his mother then, you can only imagine as a mother, a child being born from your womb, no arms, no legs. She's overwhelmed. She's trying to come to terms with reality as the few months of that baby's life is going. Well, how are we going to do this? How is this child going to function? How is this child going to do this? Yet nevertheless, as it would be, there are going to be some challenges. There are going to be some difficulties. Nick, the child that was born, would face many of those challenges and difficulties, having no arms or legs. He was no doubt, he was bullied in school. Uh, he fought against his own feelings of bitterness and loneliness. You know, why has this happened to me? Depression, not being able to do as others seemingly could do, struggling with questions, why he was different from others that was around about him. At 10 years old, at a young age, he became very suicidal about his own life. He reflected. Even at one time, upon a time, uh, now as an adult, he said, I felt like I had no value. I thought I'd always be a burden to my parents and never get married. He said, that was until I saw a boy with no arms and legs like me. And I knew that I could help him because of where I had been. And he said, in that moment, he said, I understood that I was a part of a bigger plan. Part of a bigger story that God really was the author of. And I realized then my life just fit into a story that's much larger than just my life itself. And so at that point in time, he started to approach then his difficulties, his problems, his lack of, if you will, quite differently than what he had before. He became very independent. As a teenager, he learned to care for himself. No arms and no legs. He learned to swim. No arms, no legs. He learned to surf. No arms, no legs. He learned to take on a, a bunch of different adventures without having arms and legs. Remembering all the while that he was a part of a purpose. Within five years, Nick, after this grand change in his life, he had traveled to over 58 countries to share how his faith in God and the plan that God has for our lives can also bring hope no matter what your circumstances may literally be. And so what I'm saying 
today is this. Whatever the story of your life is at this moment, we all, it seems like, have most of our appendages standing here today. That whatever your story may be like this morning, understand your story is a part of a bigger story. However checkered your past may be, that story all is a part of a bigger story. And it's a story of redemption. It's a story of purpose. It's a story that God has for you. Amen. And so we got to ask ourselves the question, you know, sometimes, where is God? And what is God wanting to do in my life? Because no matter the circumstance this morning, reality, folks, if we yield ourselves to the plan of God, God can bring purpose out of whatever your story has been up to this moment in time. God can bring purpose out of whatever your story is at this point in time because he is the creator and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to see you overall, all of humanity, redeemed. Too many times, I can tell you right now, next weekend we'll be going into prison again. You know what? They all have a story. And they all have a story with a little black mark or they wouldn't be where they're at. But I've seen more times than not, what's God doing? He's wanting to pull them into the big story. The story of redemption. Because it doesn't matter what your story has been up to that point of time. It can change and alter and you can become a part of a big story. And it'll be the story of redemption for mankind. I thank God that even times whenever I step off the path and I get wayward, I can find him at an altar and once again involve myself back into the overarching story. Amen of redemption. We're, we're, we're going once again, you know, we're going to look back at this, 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 uh, this season. We're going to look back at a, a babe born in Bethlehem. But you know what? Even Jesus submitted himself to the overall big story that started in Genesis, the story of redemption, providing blood, huh? providing blood in the body for the purpose of the salvation of mankind. Can we just bow our heads in this place this morning? God, I come to you. God, you have a divine plan. You have a divine plan for your church. You have a divine plan, God, and desire, Lord, and opportunity, God, that you have submitted to everybody under the sound of my voice this morning. God, help us, Lord. God, by the free will of choice that you have given us, not to reject you, not to shrug you off, but God, to choose you, God, to choose to become a part of this overarching story of redemption, the overarching story, God, you've laid it all out. God, here are the key players. Here is the problem. Here's the confrontation. But God, you've not left us without a resolution. You've not left us, left us God, without an answer. You've not left us, God, without bringing the pieces together, Lord Jesus, to some type of end. God, that can be profitable, Lord, if we will choose it. I pray, oh God, today, every individual, God, whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty may be, whatever choices they have made that may have been negative or bad, Lord, or away, God, from being in, 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 in harmony, God, with you. Lord, we can make a choice right now this morning. We can make a choice right now this morning, God, that will alter the direction of our lives, that will alter the direction of our homes and our families. God, we can make a decision right now this, this morning to become a part of the overall greater story of redemption, God, that you've been playing with, Lord God, and unfolding since the beginning of time. God, that's the plan, that's the purpose, that's the authority, that's the dominion, God, that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the big story, I pray, God. Lord, snatch me, Lord, and help me, God, allow myself to be snatched, God, from the story that I'm trying to write on my own. I need the finger of God and the pen of God. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. If I'll allow it in my life by my free will, God, and I pray today, that's what we want to allow. That's what we want, Lord Jesus, to integrate in our lives. The story of the Lord being written and told, Lord, through us by the 
Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Can the church say amen? Amen. God bless you this morning. Amen. Come back tonight at 6. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.